Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach. One of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. Now, those of you who followed me know that I believe that questions are one of the best tools a leader has, regardless of the level within the organization. And I think the problem is that we don't accumulate a good set of questions, and we pull on the same old ones that often don't lead to the best of thinking. I find in my coaching practice, I am constantly helping people reframe a question. The questions we ask ourselves, as well as the questions we ask our team, ultimately drive our thinking, the engagement, our sense of satisfaction, and ultimately the results. So today's focus is how do you ask better questions to get a stronger learning mindset? And stay tuned for what we mean by that. My guest today is Dr. Marilee Adams, an award-winning author and pioneer in the fields of inquiry-based coaching, leadership, and organizational culture. She's the founder and CEO of the Inquiry Institute, the originator of the question thinking methodologies, as well as being consultant, executive coach, and keynote speaker. And she's the author of an internationally best-selling book, Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. Um, There's also a book, The Art of Questions and Teaching That Changes Lives, but it's Change Your Questions, Change Your Life that we're talking about today. So Marilee, welcome to the show. I am delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always glad to talk to somebody who's got a good set of questions, and I like your thinking on this one. So um, what happened? What made you realize that questions were the secret sauce? Was it a specific event or something over time? Tell us the story. Well, actually, it was a long evolution, um, and it be- this was well over 30 years ago, and I was giving workshops on personal effectiveness, and I'd come up with a model of when we're effective and when we're not effective, and because I have an abiding fascination with language, I asked once on a, this was the days of flip charts, um, I I asked the the people in the workshop, how do these two models show up in language? Mm -hmm. And it turned out that what I then called the effective self, which is now the learner mindset, which we'll get to in a minute, asks lots of questions from deep curiosity. And the mindset that at the time I called it ineffective or fixed, and I now call it judger, that from that mindset, and we all have both, but from that mindset, we didn't ask many questions, and the kinds of questions we asked tended to confirm our earlier opinions rather than look for new data or relationships. And I got so fascinated by the disparity in these two ways of looking at the world, which we both, we all have both, that that was what catalyzed what I do now. And people ask me, aren't you tired of it? And I said, no, I'm getting more and more fascinated over time. I love that. Consistent with your methodology, it's the inquiry of a group of people that leads you to the insight that you keep chasing and pursuing and writing for all of us. 
Okay, so the framework, something you call two journeys, two different mindsets. You just use the language for one's the judger, one's the learner. Explain each and explain how those kind of work. Well, think about them as mindsets that we all have, every single one of us. And we were born this way, and it'll be that way forever. So it's not a question of getting rid of either one or the other Mm -hmm. mindset. It's a question of learning who we are and what's possible from each so that we can observe our own thinking. And I'm glad that you mentioned questions we asked ourselves earlier, uh, so that we can learn to observe our own thinking and figure out whether our thinking is given by learner mindset or judger mindset. And typically, when we are in judger, we are... Well, I'll I'll give you a a sort of a loose definition of the two mindsets because I think that will be helpful. So when we're in judger, we 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 as all of us tend to be more close-minded, more dismissive, more um, critical, um, to think within a certain narrow band. We tend to think in terms of win-lose. We tend to get into blaming, and this is all of us. So um, that it's just, and I've I've been doing this work for so many years with so many thousands of people, and I can report at this point that this is very consistent. What people, in fact, I don't have any um, contradictions that people recognize judger in themselves, and the another important aspect of it is we can aim our critical judgmental thinking towards others, Mm -hmm. and you know what that sounds like typically, we also can aim it towards ourselves so that when we are critical to ourselves, the result is um, self-doubt, low self-confidence, lower energy, like that. Um, And we all also have learner mindsets. We have both mindsets. Um, When we're in learner, we're more open-minded, we're more creative, more curious, um, more connected, our, our um, goals are more win-win, and um, we're looking from the other person's perspective. Our goals, when we're in learner, have to do with connecting, creating, um, and it's from learner, really, where we're most effective, most satisfied, most productive, get the best results, and It's important to remember we always have both. So um, if one, so let's say judger mindset is forward, learner is always available. If learner mindset is forward, judger is always there and um, ready to jump in, especially if we get triggered by something because the the judger mindset that we all have is fear-based associated with the part of our brain that's there to protect us, which is why I say we'll always have it. Right. So, but it's important to recognize that it's simply a part of us. And when we can learn to manage it and sometimes listen to the wisdom of it, then it gives us um, some productive and strategic ways forward. Right. All right. So, Jodger mindset is the critic, kind of the focus on protection, what can go wrong here. And that means it's often coming from a win-lose perspective, like what do I have to lose or what do I have to win over you? 
it's easy to trip into blame from that one. And it's easy to aim it at ourselves and aim it at somebody else. Well, okay, that's the judger mindset. Yep. And it's value is to protect us in a world that is fear driven. I guess that's one way I can say that one. I'll come back to that well, in a minute. Wanda, I would say it's value, but it's also it's intention. But the intention is sometimes not clear mm-hmm. because it can come off as very critical and we may forget that it's there for our protection. Right. The value of it is when we can recognize what it's there for and not get stuck there. Okay, great. So it's a bit, if you will, the default. It's. I, I would say that's an accurate, the, I would say judger is our default mm-hmm. in our brains and our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, that means that we need to learn how to get to learner and turn that into another default. Okay. All right. We're going to go there for a minute. Let me make sure I've gotten learner straight. Okay. So learner is the one that is the creative force, mm-hmm. the curiosity, the connected to somebody else, the win-win, the think about the other possibilities to get the other's perspective and incorporate that. We might also say collaborative or open And you can say that you're most productive in that because I'm imagining you're drawing people to you in that learner mindset so that you're getting um, good reinforcement or good leverage on your work. That's that's very well done too. Okay. Is there a time when learner is not appropriate? Well, that's an interesting question. I would say that learner is always appropriate. How it's expressed may be Mm -hmm. different depending on the circumstances, the context, um, the goal, the other people around. Um, So I can, let's say that I'm coaching a CEO and it's someone who is um, very judger, and he or she may not even realize that, and very directive and um, can be very critical. So let's say this person is about to make a mistake that mm-hmm. I can see down the road how that's going to impact their career and the organization, and I need to get their attention. Mm-hmm. Well, they're probably not going to listen if I'm, well, I have this idea that maybe you ought to yeah. listen to. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of um, making a caricature there. But I need to be very direct and but remember, my intention is to help them, not to hurt them. So mm-hmm. it could sound kind of judger-like, like mm-hmm. it's important that you pay attention now. I have some uh, thinking that could make an impact on your career and the business. Mm-hmm. So it may sound harsh and judger, but I'm doing it strategically and intentionally to get that person's attention mm-hmm. because I know who I'm talking to. Right. So it's the right. intention behind the message rather than um, how the message might sound. And the intention comes across. Right. It right. does. Right. I would imagine that in judger and learner, in either mindset, I can be candid. Mm-hmm. I can be direct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can can also be the opposite of that. I can be less candid, less direct, wishy-washy. I could do either of them in both those, both of those modes. And mm-hmm. what you just described 
is a very direct way of dealing with a learner, but your intention is the learner, getting them to open up to possibilities. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So your belief as learner is always a good one. I just have to shade how I do it, how I say it based on the person, the context, the situation, and the goals at hand, and as an intention. Yeah. And let me add one piece to this, why it's so useful, is that when we're in judger, um, our focus tends to be very tunnel vision, mm -hmm. which means that we don't see data and information that could be really important to us. And so, and there's a lot of good research in the psychological literature and also in the leadership literature about this. When we're in learner mindset, which is typically associated with more, quote, positive emotions, mm -hmm. our, our view, we can see peripherally. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we like what we see. <laughs> it does mean it's necessary and useful. Okay. So everybody in business and in life is more effective, more powerful when we have all the data that we need in order to deal with whatever is in front of us. Right. 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 Now, one of the things that I want to test whether you agree with this statement or not. It strikes me that in judger mode, I can move more quickly to a decision and say, we're going to go X, but I run the risk in judger mode of being too tunnel vision and making that decision too quickly. In learner mode, the risk is I'm too open to possibilities and I never narrow it down to a precise decision. Now, you're the expert on this. What's your view? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts about this. First of all, when you said judger seems faster, oftentimes mm -hmm. it is faster and oftentimes it's reactive and it's jumping to conclusions and not checking out the necessary data or the assumptions that one is, right. is working towards. So it may appear faster in the moment, right. but it also may be very unstrategic and end up with problems that were not anticipated. So um, I think it's important to know um, what kind of decision it is, what, what it's for, um, when it needs to be made. Um, from, from learner, we're in the more responsive mode, not reactive. We learn, we learn to pause, get curious and, um, that sounds simple, but it's actually not. And it's a very important thing for people to learn. So okay. you're right that you could fall into analysis paralysis there, but hopefully one has a, a meta view of, of, of what they're doing, right. how they're in process and, and says, okay, do I have enough? Now it's time to make a decision. Now it's time to make a decision. Okay. Well, then I think we had a reasonable view of the two mindsets. Judger, the tunnel vision, the critic, the win-lose, the whether I focus on myself or I want to focus on others, the learner, the open, the curious, the possibilities, the pause and get perspective, much more of a win-win mindset. Now, what the reason we're talking today and the reason I find your work so interesting is your notion of how you move yourself from judger to learner. So tell us about that. What's the secret to moving? This is really important and very practical. And it's one of the things that distinguishes my work. Because first of all, 
once we know the two distinctions and can accept that we all have both, we become different observers of ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we can begin to see, oh, am I in Georgia right now? Mm-hmm. Now, this is I'm now asking a series of questions that's part of the protocol of switching that you're referring to. Okay. So um, you can ask, am I in judger? Because you have the distinction. The important thing, Wanda, is to ask that non-judgmentally. <laughs> okay. Which is really, really more challenging than it may at first appear. But am I in judger? Do I like how I'm feeling or what I'm doing? If I stay here, is this going to get me what I really want? How else can I think about this? And when we ask those kinds of questions that I specifically call switching questions, that those questions begin to naturally move us into seeing from a learner perspective. Okay. And so it's actually a protocol of observing ourselves and then asking ourselves non-judgmentally questions that can switch us to the other mindset from which, as you correctly said, we can see more possibilities and also have better relationships and better results. Okay. I can imagine that it's difficult to get people to recognize that they're in judger mode. I'm thinking about a client that I have been working with for a while now I still haven't succeeded in getting to understand how much they're in this thing that you call judger mode because it feels so self-justified. It feels so appropriate. And it is coming from a space of defensiveness. And that's a whole interesting story in itself. We'll come to that in a moment. But how do you get somebody to recognize the need to switch and to ask these questions in a non-judgmental way? You've actually asked a more complicated question than you may realize, but it's one that I enjoy. Okay, good. (laughs) So, um, first of all, there is no way to get somebody or force somebody to move from judger to learner. That will not happen. Mm -hmm. So, and and I'm asked this often, how do I deal with my Mm -hmm. boss, my colleague, my mentee? Um, when they're so much in judger. And I have always the same answer. And I announce it by saying it's also an annoying answer, um, which is that you cannot force somebody to go learner. In fact, it's contradictory to the model. But Mm -hmm. what you can do over and over is keep yourself in learner so that you're operating from that stance with that person. So you get a number of benefits there. First of all, you don't reinforce their judger. You don't get them, you don't reinforce defensiveness or aggressiveness. Um, And you do create a path, a possibility for relating and for them listening. And at least for them feeling safe enough to trust that what you're going to say is going to be in their best interest. Now, that's the first answer. Um, I have... So many interesting stories of people, (laughs) many, many stories. Um, But I remember somebody, a coach actually, telling me that she was working with someone who was like the most judge a person she had ever worked with. Mm -hmm. He was the director of of a government agency. And she really didn't know what to do with him. So 
she gave him a copy of my book, Change Your Questions, mm-hmm. Change Your Life, which is a story. Mm-hmm. And the protagonist, Ben, starts out very judger. And as you can imagine, he learns this whole methodology. And by the end, he has succeeded where he was before failing. He is now optimistic and productive where he was the opposite before. Um, and this woman was so startled. This coach was so startled because when she saw this, her, her coachee, the next time he said, well, I read that book and I'm just like Ben. So the, the, the book and the way it's presented allowed him to observe himself mm-hmm. and um, be accurate about how much in judger he was and also to have a sense of humor about it, yeah. which is yeah. really great. Because when people have a sense of humor and some levity, there's much more change that's possible and much more connection that's possible. I also find that um, I have this model called the choice map, and it's in all of my books. Um, I'm going to hold it up and just so that you can see it. And so, wait a minute, it appears on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, very often when I give the choice map to somebody, they look at it and they go, oh, judger, I do that. And it's so much better if they see it themselves. Right. It's so much better. Okay. All right. So stay focused on the individual. Mm -hmm. Okay. And let's say it's me that I, you know, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get more satisfaction in my work and more openness and more engagement and all those sorts mm-hmm. of things. How do I look at my own behavior and recognize that I'm in judger mode? What is it that helps me see it in myself? I, you know, Apart what, from I, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I would go, particularly early on when one is learning to notice judger, mm-hmm. I think it's really useful to go to the body. Okay. So very often when we're in judger, we find that we're tense, the jaw is mm-hmm. tight, um, breathing is constricted and high in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people feel a frown on their face or mm-hmm. a furrow mm-hmm. between their eyebrows. And so when we can learn to pay attention to our bodies, it gives us information. And mm-hmm. so I think that's really, really important because our mindsets are not just in our heads. We're, they're in our whole bodies. Right. So in, in our courses and in all the work we do, we teach people how to be more aware of their bodies okay, and um, how they're feeling and what they think they're projecting, what other people are reading into them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a, one kind of symptom, a somatic okay. symptom for judger, then there are others, and okay. um, we work with people to, to discover their own because they're mm-hmm. not all the same. Ah, uh, okay. Sometimes people can notice that they're not listening, that they're just tuning out, and then go, oh, I'm in judger. How interesting. Okay. okay. Or they notice that there's um, an expression on their face mm-hmm. um, that either they can feel it or they might see alarm on the other person's face. And then you can say, oh, wait a minute, am I in judger? Um, They might um, discover they're in judger by listening to their own thinking. 
and realizing that they're thinking um, negative things about that person. And, and I'll give you an example of that because it also impacts the questions we ask ourselves also impact how we listen to people. Right. So if we notice that the, the conversation has gotten um, constrained or tense, mm-hmm. we can always ask ourselves, what question am I listening with? Mm-hmm. And if I'm listening with the question, um, well, what dumb thing is, is I, I don't want to look at you, Wanda, when I'm saying that. That's all right. I won't take it personally. <laughs> don't take it personally. But what dumb thing is this person going to say now? What are you likely to hear? Yeah. Dumb things. If you can change your list, because and that would be a judger question that's that's really launching a judger interaction. But when one notices that, you, you could say, what question would be more helpful here? Well, I could listen with the question, um, what valuable or useful thing am I going to learn from Wanda right now? And that's going to frame my ability to listen to what you say and pull from it something that is genuinely useful and valuable. Okay. All right. Let me try one I heard today, as a matter of fact. So senior leader, uh-huh. um, listening to people come and telling you whatever messages they tell you, whatever agenda, whatever, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you listen. And clearly this person is listening for what's the hidden agenda or what's the thing you're not telling me, mm-hmm. or you know, what is it you're trying to do for yourself in telling me the story about something else? Is that judger mode or is that learner mode? Well, that's a really interesting question because it could be either. Okay, and um, and I want to say something about leaders in general is that it can be very isolating to be a leader, mm-hmm. and it can be um, a detriment because people tend to not give you all the information you actually genuinely need because they're afraid of sure. how you'll take it, what you'll think about it, you'll get mad at them, and so that means that leaders need to be especially careful about soliciting feedback from people Mm -hmm. and letting them know that they really do want all the information, even if it's not pleasant. So leaders have a responsibility here to knowing that, that A, people project on them often, and B, don't have a tendency to give them what they think the leader wants rather than what the leader needs. Um, that the leader needs to set up the relationship such that they can get that. Okay. So, um, but then back to your hidden agenda question, Um, your person could have a hidden agenda of, um, well, they want to get ahead and they want to just say anything that they think the leader is going to like. So what I just described to you could get underneath that. Um, And, But there are also some other ways to, in a more direct conversational way. So let's say um, I'm talking to John, I'll pick that name. And um, we've had whatever conversation that I say, John, I have a sense that there might be something more that you wanted to ask me or tell me. Um, Is that correct? Because I'd really love to hear it, even if you don't think it would be great. I'm I'm very interested in your opinion. I'm also interested in what you want for yourself. 
in these circumstances. That's that's useful and important to me too. So you can ask directly, but in a professional way that is not off-putting. Okay. And then okay. a person will either accept or decline the invitation that was right. just offered. Well, and if you repeatedly offer in that same way with the intentionality of being in learner mode rather than in judger mode, I think eventually people start to believe that you do indeed mean it. And then you increase the chances you're going to get it. There's never guarantee, but you always increase the chances. You know what else helps guarantee the chances is if you are authentic with the people that you're talking to. Mm -hmm. So you admit mistakes. Mm -hmm. You apologize when appropriate. You ask them questions, which is really important for a leader or a manager to do. Um, so you can you can create a learner environment in which the conversation takes place. Okay, and something we would all recognize as psychological safety too, in its own version. That's exactly okay. what I'm talking about. Exactly. I like this one, um, and I just want to come in. It's possible to ask a question and still be in judger mode. Because I can ask a question that is a more closed-ended question where the answer is implied, or I can ask a question from a sense of curiosity. Well, let's tease that out a little bit. Okay. Um, because a closed-ended question is not necessarily a judge or question. Okay. Um, it can be. It could be looking for yes, no, right, wrong, approve, mm-hmm. disapprove. But it could also be appropriate in terms, say, of accountability. Mm-hmm. Is is this, a, um, I've just asked you to do X. Um, I need to know whether you really can do it and by when you can do it. Right. So that's, those are asking for close-ended answers, but that's not judger. That's just living in the world of accountability. The challenge is to do accountability from learner. It's possible right. people avoid accountability because they don't think they can do that. Right. And you just gave a great example of how to do it, where I'm confirming that this can be done. I'm checking with you. Can you? And mm-hmm. by what, when is this feasible? And mm-hmm. I'm doing that in a learning mindset where I'm open to hearing, no, I can't actually. Yeah. Um, and I, in the context of this is an interaction where we both can win. I want to make sure that we're mm-hmm. both going to win here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. So, Marilee, I think this um, all makes a ton of sense to me. So, if I just kind of try to recap this, okay. two mindsets that both all of us have on every single day, one might be out front or the other might be out front, but they're both sitting there. Judger mindset is much more the critic, more dismissive, more tunnel vision, more win-lose, and at risk of blaming myself, blaming whether I'm aiming that on myself or I'm aiming that on other people, quick to jump to reaction. And it's a defensive mode. It's a fear-based mode. That's one mode, um, self-protective. The learner mode is the polar opposite, open, creative, asking curious questions and generating more curiosity, more win-win and open to possibilities. It's the pause and check the periphery as opposed to the tunnel ahead. All right, we switch from... I want to add one thing before we go into the switching part. Um, You mentioned the critic is part of judger. Mm -hmm. And um, I I want to um, provide a little nuance around that. Because um, just thinking of judger as critic um, makes it likely that we're going to dismiss um, the message there. 
Okay. And so the it sounds when 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 you say critic, it sounds like the intention is to be critical and hurtful. And in um, there's a lot of work uh, in psychology and pop psychology about the inner critic, and um, it's useful to some point, and I think it's limiting to some point, because if we think about the critic as bad, then we don't recognize as as I put in the model of judger, that it has a protective element, mm-hmm. even though the way it's expressing itself may not be very pleasant. Okay. So I don't want people to, to dismiss the critic. I want them to get curious about it and to think about what's the critic saying that's useful and what part is not useful. Okay. Well, that's back to there are reasons there, the judger exists for a purpose, and there is wisdom in that judger, and we exactly. need to be listening to that. Exactly. Um, and so what's it saying that we need it to hear? Okay, fair enough. Well, I didn't want to go into how we switch. I just wanted to comment on the fact that we switch between judger and learner by asking a series of questions, and you listed four that I want to repeat. Am I in judger? Do I, what do I feel like I'm doing or feeling like when, what am I doing? How, how else can I get what I want with the three questions that I want? And am I getting what I want? Where are the four questions I got from you? Um, let's back up a little. The second okay. one, do I like how I'm feeling or what right. I'm doing? Yes. How feeling and what I'm doing. Thank you. And um, is this working is another yeah. question. Okay. And, and you could include in that you're thinking um, for the short term or the long term. It mm-hmm. may work for the short term. You're expressing your frustration. You feel better. But that doesn't mean you're going to have an interaction or an outcome that in the long term is going to work. Right. Right. And all I wanted to frame in that one is that it, the move from judger to learner is asking yourself, it's catching it in your body, mm-hmm. and then asking yourself a series of questions that get you to shift mindsets. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is take a break at this point, okay. Mary Lee, and then we'll come back and talk in more detail about the kind of questions that we need a little bit more into your methodology of this switching between judger and learner. So my guest today is Dr. Mary Lee Adams. The book we're talking about is Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. And Mary Lee is the founder and CEO of the Inquiry Institute. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. 
Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Dr. Marilee Adams. We'll be talking about her book, Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. The notion, again, is that we have two mindsets, both of which are available to all of us at all times. One might be leading, but the other one is always there. The judger mindset and the learner mindset. The shift between judger to learner happens by catching ourselves in judger, noticing it in our body in one way or another, and then asking ourselves a series of questions that help us to shift into learner mode. And it's that piece that I want to pick up because Mary Lee, you have a a whole methodology in how you shift yourself from judger to learner, which I'd like to hear more about. And then I want to dig into how do you help your team shift from judger to learner? Wonderful. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about this also in terms of emotional intelligence Mm-hmm. Um, because the the shifting, the switching part that you're referring to actually um, is very aligned with emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And there are four pillars. So the first is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Well, being able to identify that one is in judge or non-judgmentally is, mm-hmm. I think, very evolved self-awareness. Okay. And then the second part of emotional intelligence is self-regulation, self-management, Asking switching questions is the operations of self-regulation, self-management. Okay. And then the next two, social awareness and social skill, depend on recognizing what mindset we're in and self-regulating to learner if it's appropriate and we want to and we're willing to. We're not always willing to. Mm-hmm. Um but then that's a part of being authentic with oneself as well. Right. So it's it's useful to think about this as a methodology also that reinforces um, emotional intelligence. And it also is useful in terms of thinking. Um, we know so much from neuroscience these days about what works and how our brains work. And what I've come to see over time is, is that... When people learn a methodology and they use it over and over, mm-hmm. they're literally reinforcing the neural pathways of um, moving from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic nervous system. And of course, that's going to have profound effects on everything we do at work and at home, and as you say, with teams. All right. So right. I find that it's just so fundamentally important for people to learn how to observe their own mindsets non-judgmentally. And when I work with teams, I begin at the individual level as well, because that's what gives people um, more heft in, se- in self-agency rather than slipping into blaming. And you know how quickly that can take over a team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's great bonding in the moment if we can self-blame, we can blame somebody else, but it doesn't get our work done or get us moving in the right direction as an organization. Absolutely. 
All right. So um, are there other questions we should be asking in the journey along the way between judger and learner? Well, there are. And um, so what I to- what I shared with you were some switching questions. There mm-hmm. are lots of switching questions. And we work with this in our workshops because we want people to come up with their own. Okay. Um, at the same time, there are some classics <laughs> okay, and great. ones that I particularly like. And um, one of them is, regardless of the circumstances, who do I choose to be in this moment? Mm-hmm. And I find that, I, I use that a lot myself, mm-hmm. and I find that it kind of, um, it, it, it levels the playing field because... Right. I can't get away from it. It's right, like, right. do I choose to be connected and productive and listen, or do I choose to be critical? Ah, well, if it, if it's a conscious choice, it's much more likely that I'm going to make a choice for learner that's going to forward the action, forward the relationship, and forward the results so we're able to get together. Okay. All right. I love that one. Do you have another one or two you want to highlight for us? Well, um, Sometimes people will use, um, what assumptions am I making, which is a very powerful thing to be asking oneself. Sometimes people say, am I being the the leader or the parent that I want to be at this moment? And that can um, stop you in your tracks and get you to change. And here's one that came out in a workshop that made me laugh and it, it always makes people laugh. So in this situation, is this the hill I want to die on? <laughs> yes. Yes. The answer is usually no. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then how else can I think okay. about this? How else can I relate to this person? What do I really want to have happen? But you see, each of those is an intentional pivot, an intentional switch. And what that's what gives us personal power, actually. Right is being able to do that. And the more you practice, the more natural it becomes. Right. So if I collect all of these for an individual here, you think things like, do I like how I'm feeling or what am I doing? Or how else can I get what I want? Or who do I choose to be in this moment? What assumptions am I making? Am I being the leader or the parent I want to be? Is this the hill I want to die on? And when you said earlier, which is what question am I listening with? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. Those I think are all a wonderful set of questions to get people to stop and reflect where am I and then make an intentional choice of shifting to a different one. Okay, Marilee, let's focus now on the team. Mm-hmm. So here I am leading a team or leading a meeting for that matter of people who might not formally work to me, work for me, but are doing a project, let's say with me. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the judger mindset is dominating. What do I do? How do I think about this in the context of a team? Well, let me give you a few frames for that. Okay. Um, oftentimes when I'm introducing this work to a team or I'm in a workshop, but there are a lot of people who work on teams in the workshop. Mm -hmm. I will just say casually, has anybody here ever been on a judger team? Yeah. And they do exactly what you just did, Wanda. They laugh. Yeah. Because they recognize what that means. Yeah. It's just obvious. And then I say, anybody been on a learner team? Yes. What's the difference? 
And then they begin to say, well, where we're on a judge or team, we do this. And when we're on a learner team, we do that. Then I can say, well, which one feels better and which one is more productive? And it's just apparent. Right. So, but I can remember working with a very dysfunctional team for almost a year. And all we did was learner judger stuff. Uh And they made a profound switch as a team. They also had to discuss among themselves um, what they would do in the team when the atmosphere of the team turned judger. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's important to strategize about that before it happens, because in the midst of it, it's very hard to turn it around. But if you have done the upfront work so that they could recognize it and then go, let's step back. Um, what's at the source of this? Mm-hmm. Um how could we work, be working together better? Sometimes what I do um, is such a simple thing is when I think that a team or a team in a meeting is going south, by which I mean go judger here, I say, um, let's take a minute for reflection, for quiet in, individual reflection on what's happening, what you want to happen, etc. And what that does is, first of all, it lowers the temperature. Mm-hmm. And secondly, people actually get reflective and come up with new ideas. And so um, now I'll say, do we need more time? Well, let's collect up what you've said and set an intention together. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let me um, backtrack on that one, because when I'm working with a group or a team or leading or even participating in a meeting, but let's say leading, I like to start out by setting the frame of um, what the mindset work. And then frequently what I'll do is I'll just give people a copy of the choice map, each person in the team, and ask them to come up with their, once they understand it, and they it's a very intuitive tool. Um, once they understand it, I say, okay, great. Now, together, looking at what principles you think are incorporated into the choice map, what guidelines for conversation and interaction would you come up with? Well, they come up, Wanda, with all the things that I would recommend, but what's important is that they came up with it. So then there's something to refer back to. Um, And we also talk about, well, if if you, some individual, um, feel like you get stuck in judger, how what's the gentlest, most effective way that somebody could um, ask you about that that doesn't make you go more into judger? So what happens is the language of it becomes part of the conversation and it helps people make decisions about how they're going to behave and how they're going to listen and how they're going to work together. Okay. So give me some examples of the kind of guidelines or suggestions people have made about how how the team can help them get out of Dodger? Um, well, certainly it's not, oh, you're so in Dodger right now. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be, um, uh, I have a question for you. Now, remember, it's now been, it's been set up already. All so right, it isn't right. like just in the moment. Um, but I could say, we'll pick on John again. Uh, 
is this, is this, John, is this one of those moments where you feel like you've fallen into judger? Okay. You might go, oh, yeah, God, I didn't notice. Or, yeah, I'm really there, and I don't think I'm ready to switch yet. <laughs> but that's fine, because that's taking responsibility for where you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, as the leader of this team, are there questions I can ask the team? So, yes, we've set up the mindset. People understand the choice. We've got some guidelines. Are there questions I can ask the team that help navigate them more towards a learner mindset? Well, I would start someplace a little bit earlier than that. Okay. I might start, for example, in a meeting by saying, let's frame our agenda in terms of questions that we need to respond to together. Okay. It's a different way of framing an agenda, and it tends to have people um, participate more, and there's more a sense of we rather than the agenda is just set by the leader. And this way, there's more ownership when people put it in. And then if you're answering a question together, you're thinking together. There's a sense of, a, like I said, a we-ness, a teamness, rather than you or me. And that's what we're going for. We want to create something where we are thinking about X, not just I. Right, right. Um, it also framing an agenda in terms of the question we want to respond to or answer together or think about together forces um, it's the, it's framing an openness in a conversation that is very different than putting it in an agenda item and which you tend to give then statements and conclusions and facts based out as right. opposed to thinking and exploration. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So creating an agenda in terms of the questions that we want to respond to together. Do you have other tips for leaders that you think would be really useful? I do. Um, One thing is to remember, let's let's say that we're in a meeting because that's a finite, concrete Mm -hmm. phenomenon. Um, In the beginning of a meeting, it's more appropriate to ask open-ended questions because Mm -hmm. you're checking in on where people are and... um, what's happened since last time and what people want in the middle of it. So that would be more open-ended. Now I'm going to go to the end for a minute. The third phase of a meeting, when we're closing it down, it's more appropriate to ask close-ended questions because we're going for accountability. And if you're only asking open-ended questions at the end, you'll either have endless meetings or nobody be, will be responsible for anything. Right. Right. So it's more open-ended at the beginning, more close-ended at the end. And in the middle is kind of a mix of depending on what the conversation is. Right. Now, so I think that's a really useful thing to think about. If you layer the learner-judger material onto that, because you mm-hmm. could do that exactly correctly, as I just said it, but do it in judger, it's not going to work. Right. Right. So, and do both of those in the learner mode. All of it. We've already talked about the fact that you can ask closed-ended questions in a learner mode because I'm now confirming that we're in agreement or that you can indeed get this done or that you um, have the capacity or whatever else. There's a We're winning together, as we said already. Mm-hmm. Okay. One more tip. Okay. Oh, you want one more tip? One more tip. Yep. Um. Anybody in the meeting, either the leader or anybody else, could say, here's the question I'm thinking with right now. Mm. 
And what questions are you all thinking with? Mm -hmm. Because if we're not thinking with the same questions, then our conversation is not going to be one that is in alignment with um, what we're actually going for. So Mm -hmm. what questions are we thinking with? Also, that same tip I gave you earlier about taking a minute to to, Mm -hmm. um, reflect, you can also say, let's take a minute to come up with questions that you think are important for us to answer together. Now, there's a lot of value in that because typically um, uh, uh, people on a team or in a meeting, you're going to have some introverts and some extroverts. The introverts might have brilliant questions and never get to speak them. But if you give them time to sit back and ask them to come up with questions, they will. And so you get a, a rich an inclusive way of looking at a particular subject that is more productive and uh, more likely not to have problems later. Right. I do. I can see that. I love that to think about um, what question are we thinking with? I think that's a really interesting one. It explains a meeting I had earlier today in complete perfect scenario a minute to reflect. So we're thinking for ourselves and also a minute to think about the questions that we want to answer together and then collecting all those questions. Mm -hmm. All right, Marilee, my last question for you, give you one minute to answer it. What takes you out of your comfort zone? Oh, oh, what a great question. Um, What takes me out of my comfort zone? Taking on challenges that are new for me. Mm -hmm. um, And that could be something physical like at yoga or I used mm-hmm. to do um, karate, taekwondo, okay. or um, doing a really big public keynote. That's out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I prepare okay. very well for it. Okay. Um, Great. So, th- so th- those are the kinds of things. So it sounds like your secret is partly just do it and do it. And partly it was a lot of preparation. So thank you for that, Marilee. All right. My guest today, Dr. Marilee Adams. Um, She is founder and CEO of the Inquiry Institute. And the book that we've been talking about is Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. Marilee, I think I still, the thing that I like most about your work is this notion of recognizing the the judger mindset and the learner mindset, being able to see in myself, where am I? And then being able to ask a series of questions that are going to help me move from judger to learner. Um, and I think we can all recognize the power of being in the learner mindset. And just to repeat the questions I particularly liked today is who do I choose to be in this moment? Um, what question am I listening with? Am I being the kind of leader that I want to be? Um, I think are my favorites from today. So thank you very much You're for being a guest. Welcome. All right. And if you've liked the podcast today, please like us on your favorite podcast server. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email or a commentary at any point. And if you want to know more how to apply these concepts, check out our subscription service at outofthecomfortzone.com. And we'll see you next week for another episode in getting out of your comfort zone. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.